1 Chronicles 11 through 14. Then all Israel assembled before David at Hebron. Look at us, they said, we're your very flesh and blood. In the past, yes, even while Saul was king, you were the real leader of Israel. God told you, you will shepherd my people Israel. You are to be the ruler of my people Israel. When all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, David made a covenant with them in the presence of God. Then they anointed King David over Israel exactly as God has commanded. David and all Israel went to Jerusalem. The citizens of Jebus told David, no trespassing, you can't come here. David came on anyway and captured the fortress of Zion, the city of David. David had said the first person to kill a Jebusite will be commander-in-chief. So Joab, son of Zariah, was the first, and he became the chief. David took up residence in the fortress city. That's how it got its name, City of David. David fortified the city all the way around, both the outer bulwarks and the outside wall. Joab rebuilt the city gates. David's stride became longer and his embrace larger. Yes, God of the angel armies was with him. These are the chiefs of David's mighty men, the ones who linked arms with him as he took up his kingship, with all Israel joining in, helping him become king in just the way God had spoken. The list of David's mighty men. Jeshobiam, son of Hakmoni, was chief of the thirty. Single-handedly, he killed 300 men, killed them all in one skirmish. Next was Eleazar, son of Dode, the Ahohite, one of the big three of the mighty men. He was with David at Pastamim, where the Philistines had mustered their troops for battle. It was an area where they, there was a field of barley. The army started to flee from the Philistines and then took its stand right in that field and turned the tide. They slaughtered the Philistines, God helping them, a huge victory. The big three from the 30 made a rocky descent to David at the cave of Adullam, while a company of Philistines were camped in the valley of Rephraim. David was holed up in the cave while the Philistines were prepared for battle at Bethlehem. David had a sudden craving. What I wouldn't give for a drink of water from the well in Bethlehem, the one at the gate. The three penetrated the Philistine camp, drew water from the well at the Bethlehem gate, shouldered it, and brought it to David. And then David wouldn't drink it. He poured it out as a sacred offering to God, saying, I'd rather be damned by God than drink this. It would be like drinking the lifeblood of these men. They risked their lives to bring it, and so he refused to drink it. These are the kinds of things that the big three of the mighty men did. Abishai, brother of Joab, was the chief of the thirty. Single-handedly, he fought three hundred men and killed a lot, but he never made it to the circle of the three. He was highly honored by the thirty. He was their chief. Still, he didn't measure up to the three. Benai was a mighty man from Kabzeel, with many exploits to his credit. He killed two famous Moabites, he climbed down into a pit and killed a lion on a snowy day, and he killed an Egyptian, a giant seven and a half feet tall. The Egyptian had a spear like a ship's boom, but Benai went at him with a mere club, tore the spear from the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with it. These are some of the things Benai, son of Jehoiad, did, but he was never included with the three. He was highly honored among the thirty, but he didn't measure up to the three. David put him in charge of his personal bodyguard. Men joined David in Zilag. It was during the time he was banished by Saul, the son of Kish. They were among the mighty men, good fighters. They were armed with bows and could sling stones and shoot arrows, either right-handed or left-handed. They hailed from Saul's tribe, Benjamin. There were also some Gadites that had deflected to David at his wilderness fortress. They were seasoned and eager fighters who knew how to handle shield and spear. They were wild in appearance like lions, but as agile as gazelles racing across the hills. 
There were also men from the tribes of Benjamin and Judah who joined David in his wilderness fortress. When David went out to meet them, this is what he said. If you have come in peace and to help me, you are most welcome to join this company. But if you have come to betray me to my enemies, innocent as I am, the God of our ancestors will see through you and bring judgment on you. Just then, Amasai, chief of the thirty, moved by God's spirit, said, We're on your side, David. We're committed, son of Jesse. All is well. Yes, all is well with you. And all is well with whoever helps you. Yes, for your God has helped and does help you. So David took them on and assigned them a place under the chiefs of the raiders. Some from the tribe of Manasseh also deflected to David when he started out with the Philistines to go to war against Saul. In the end, they didn't actually fight because the Philistine leaders, after talking it over, sent them home, saying, We can't trust them with their lives. They'll betray us to their master Saul. Here are the statistics on the battle-seasoned warriors who came down from the north to David at Hebron to hand over Saul's kingdom. In accord with God's word, from Judah, carrying shield and spear, 6,800 battle-ready. From Simeon, 7,100 stalwart fighters. From Levi, 4,600, which included Jehoiada, leader of the family of Aaron. Bringing 3,700 men and the young and stalwart Zadok with 22 leaders from his family. From Benjamin, Saul's family, 3,000, most of whom had stuck it out with Saul until now. From Ephraim, 20,800 fierce fighters and famous in their hometowns. From the half-tribe of Manasseh, 18,000 elected to come and make David king. From Issachar, men who understood both the times and Israel's duties, 200 leaders with their families. From Zebulun, 50,000 well-equipped veteran warriors, unswervingly loyal. From Naphtali, 1,000 chief leader, 37,000 men heavily armed. From Dan, 28,600 battle-ready men. From Asher, 40,000 veterans, battle-ready. And from east of the Jordan, men from Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, heavily armed, 120,000. All these soldiers came to David at Hebron, ready to fight if necessary. They were both united and determined to make David king of all Israel. And everyone else in Israel was of the same mind, make David king. They were with David for three days of feasting celebration with food and drinks supplied by their families. Neighbors ranging from as far north as Issachar, Zebulon, and Naphtali arrived with donkeys, camels, mules, and oxen loaded down with food for the party. Flour, fig cakes, Reagan cakes, wine, oil, cattle, and sheep. Joy in Israel. David consulted with all of his leaders, the commanders of thousands and of hundreds. Then David addressed the entire assembly of Israel. If it seems right to you, and it is God's will, let's invite all of our relatives wherever they are all throughout Israel, along with their relatives, including the priests and Levites from their cities and surrounding pastures, to join us. And let's bring the chest of our God back, the chest that was out of sight, out of mind during the days of Saul. The entire assembly of Israel agreed. Everybody agreed that it was the right thing to do. So David gathered all Israel together from Egypt's pond of Horus in the southwest to the pass of Hamath in the northeast to go and get the chest. Then David and all Israel went to Bala in Judah to bring back the chest of God, where God's name is evoked. They moved the chest of God on a brand new cart from the house of Badinabab from Uzzah and Ahoi in charge. In possession with the chest of God, David and all Israel worshipped exuberantly in song and dance with a marching band of all kinds of instruments. While they were on the threshing floor, the oxen stumbled and Uzzah grabbed the chest to keep it from falling. God erupted in anger against him and killed him because he grabbed the chest. 
He died on the spot in the presence of God. David lost his temper, angry because God exploded against Uzzah. And David said, how can I possibly continue this parade with the chest of God? So he called off the parade of this chest to the city of David. Instead, he stored it at the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The chest of God was in storage in the house of Obed-Edom for three months. And God blessed that family and everything around him. King Hiram of Tyre sent an envoy to David, along with cedar lumber, masons, and carpenters to build him a royal palace. Then David knew for sure that God had confirmed him as king over Israel, because of the rising reputation that God was giving his kingdom for the benefit of his people Israel. David married more wives and had more children in Jerusalem. The minute the Philistines heard that David had been made king over a united Israel, they went out in force to capture him. When David got the report, he marched out to confront them. On their way, the Philistines stopped off to plunder the valley of Rephraim. David prayed to God, Is this the right time to attack the Philistines? Would you give me the victory? God answered, Attack! I'll give you the victory. David attacked and slaughtered them. David said, God exploded my enemies as water explodes from a burst pipe. And that's how the place got its name, Baal Explosion. The Philistines left their gods behind, and David ordered that they be burned up. And then the Philistines were back at it again, plundering in the valley. David again prayed to God, and God answered, This time don't attack head on. Circle around and come at them out of the balsam grove. When you hear a sound like shuffling feet in the top of the trees, attack. God will be two steps ahead of you, slaughtering the Philistines. David did exactly as God commanded, slaughtering Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. David was soon famous all over the place, far and near, and God put the fear of God into the godless nations. So in this section, we hear a little bit more about uh, David as king and how he um, is putting God first. He wanted to bring the chest of God back into the um, city of David. Um, It had been removed during the time of Saul, and Saul had been worshiping other gods. And he also wanted to um, ask God for guidance every time he went to attack, especially the Philistines. And so the part I really love is it says, David's stride became longer and his embrace larger. And I just think that's a reflection of everywhere that David walked or anything he put his hands to, God had decided to bless at that time. And God had promised that. And so he continued to do it. And it is interesting because we do see after David knows that obviously God's hand is on him, he's become king over Israel after being a shepherd boy, he still makes some pretty serious mistakes um, that cause him and God to have words that cause him to have consequences. And so it's a really neat story to see um, how God deals with David um, as a man. And even though he's a man after God's heart, how he still loves him through some really difficult times.